0: You're listening to Trek FM.
1: Hello, and welcome to episode 8 of Commentary Trek Stars, a show where we look at the work of Star Trek creators outside of Star Trek. I'm Mike.
2: I'm Perseus.
1: And today we're joined by Colin, once again from Trek News and Views and Decade. How's it going?
0: It's good. I've never been on a podcast with a god before, so it's, it's nice podcasting with Perseus.
2: I'm not a god. I'm, I'm half god.
0: Oh, you're half god? Okay. Yeah. But well, you got a cool shield.
2: Well, not yet. This is, uh, this is around the time I rescued Andromeda.
1: Oh, okay. Um, Speaking of which, tonight's episode is part 7 in our look at the work of Gene Roddenberry as a television creator, and tonight we're going to be looking at Andromeda.
2: Hells yeah!
1: So much like Earth Final Conflict, uh, Colin has seen this show in its entirety or close to it, something like that, and uh, Max and I have not, so...
2: I I mean actually I I watched almost all of this show.
1: Oh, you just said you didn't. Whenever anyone asked, okay. No, I mean over the past week. Oh, okay. All right. Cool. I,
2: like I tried to watch uh, like Earth Vital Conflict, but I you know I just I'm not I'm not a drinker, uh-huh. so I couldn't make it through it. And like I don't I'm not a, I wouldn't say I'm a fan, but it works.
1: Yeah. Okay. Without alcohol. Well, then, in that case, Max, would you like to sort of uh, talk about what the basic premise for this show is?
2: Um, well, it, it, it sort of shifts over time in various sort of weird ways. But, I mean, to give sort of the, the big sort of blue sky Star Trek approach, you know, it's a – there's a spaceship, but it was part of like a, a Federation type thing. And, and then um, because of something that involves time – in this case they use a black hole and they try to explain it in a way that makes sense but it doesn't uh, they they are sort of like shoved really far into the future really really fast and uh, the 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 captain and the ship uh, are, are suddenly way in the distant future where the entire thing that's like the federation is completely wiped out and a whole bunch of different things are now in its place and then they the, the captain forms a team with a bunch of other people and then they have star trek like adventures but uh, in in a very weird other universe
1: okay now this show it was developed by robert hewitt wolf who of course had worked on deep space nine and it starred kevin sorbo who of course played hercules on hercules the legendary journeys or something like that is that what it was called
2: it was called hercules the legendary journeys
1: okay there was
2: a colon involved
1: yes and of course kevin sorbo's presence led to uh the show andromeda being affectionately called captain hercules by many of its fans and probably many more of its detractors
2: is that a thing people actually say because i have only heard that from you
1: I don't know. I heard it from a guy. No, no
2: it was said by quite a few people. Okay, yeah.
1: Okay. The first time I heard it was in the comic book store. Um, white Fritz called it Captain Kirkulese. He said I watched that show, Captain Kirkulese.
2: The weird thing about White Fritz is that he's a black guy. <laughs> no, he's not. That's, it's funnier <laughs> if he is.
1: Okay. There's a black Fritz and a white Fritz. Both of them shop at the comic book store. Neither of them are named Fritz. Deal with it. So, uh, Colin, what are your thoughts on Andromeda? and the Hulk a game started off really really good it had
0: a really strong um, opening premise uh, which (laughs) wonderfully described by Max but you could you could see why people compared it to Star Trek because you didn't have the Federation you had the Commonwealth you had uh, one captain and his ship so you know Star Trek is the captain and the ship Um, and you had the weird collection of um, individuals that made up his crew and some really dodgy makeup.
1: Yeah, okay. well, I, I was I was watching this with my wife, and and at one point when the dude comes on, like I think the bad guy from the first episode, she's like, "Are we watching Zooly Zoo?" So yeah, okay. So, Colin, go, go go on. Okay, so aside <laughs> from the dodgy makeup, you like aside the from comedy.
0: the dodgy makeup, and you got uh, the surviving captain is Dylan Hunt, who is the last captain of. What was the Commonwealth and was... The Commonwealth military was called the High Guard. It was supposed to be this um, massive um, fleece of ships. Because the actual Andromeda series takes place in three galaxies. It's not one, it's three galaxies. Okay. And the way they travel train was by steam Drive, which will be...
2: One of those military. galaxies is the Andromeda galaxy.
0: Yeah. One of them is the Milky Way. Yeah. And uh, humans aren't the focus in this series, which is, is unusual in science fiction. Humans aren't the focus species. Uh, Dylan is perceived to be human at the start, but you find out at the end that he's not. And it, it's basically one man's quest to bring back the the glory of the Commonwealth and what it stood for, and put the the universe back on its rightful path. Mm-hmm. So it was a noble sentiment, and it was it was a good um, premise. And I, I don't know if, like last week when we was talking, I don't know if this was like a, a beer mat or a handkerchief or or you know,
1: well, we roll. I, I don't know. I'll tell you what it is. I can tell you exactly what it is because I I got the answer straight from the source. When I was yeah. watching our dubs, when I was watching uh, this this episode or these episodes, I came across, I think it was episode four, and I said, hey, I'm prepping for our Andromeda episode of the show by watching um, the episode D-0, which was written by Zach Stentz and Ashley Edward Miller, who are um, the writers of lots of things, including uh, X-Men First Class and Thor. They also wrote for uh, Fringe, t terminator the sarah connor chronicles and a bunch of stuff but anyway um and i'm like wow you know they really had a lot of big shots working on this show and almost immediately both of them tweeted back to me and they're like uh and us too we were on the show and then uh, you know they were like this is our first produced script so i said okay well how much of it was you know Robert Hewitt Wolf and how much of it was Gene Roddenberry. And they said, um, a bit of Gene a whole lot of Robert Hewitt Wolfe with a dash of Gene Coon maybe a big dash. And I'm like, Gene Coon too? Gene Coon obviously being the guy who, you know, kind of ran the original series writing staff, you know, for the first season or whatever. He wrote a ton of episodes. Um the Forgotten Gene, as as he's known by by many people, and uh, you know they were like, well, in spirit, you know, he, he like he may not have done anything on it, but they were definitely taking a a Gene Coon approach to uh, to producing these things, and then uh, Robert Hewitt Wolfe chimed in, and he said, uh, I, you know, to answer the question, how much of Andromeda was Roddenberry? You know, I said, it seems a lot like Genesis 2 in space. Did he have more developed beyond that? And Wolf said, not much, honestly. I combined his one-page pitch for a sentient ship with the lead character and rough situation of Genesis 2 and put it in space. Pretty much all else, characters, mythology, history, aliens, etc., etc., was mine. His created by is really for the basic idea and marketing. My developed by was contractual as well, but I still got creation royalties. was a wonderful opportunity.
0: So he came up with the Nietzscheans.
1: Right, from what I gather, yeah.
0: Which is interesting because that is actually based on uh, a German philosopher's principle.
1: Yeah, which I thought was really kind of crazy when... Well, it's not
2: that weird because, I mean, based on the original show, I mean, you can look at the original series, you know, Genesis 2, and you can say... Oh yeah, super beings. That's kind of a Nietzsche idea. And then you know they they become Nietzscheans. And as a person who knows you know Friedrich Nietzsche, I'm like, w- w- what? That's just too weird. That's too on the nose. That's mm. too on the nose.
1: No, but they say that they like follow his philosophies and stuff. Like they reference him in the show. Yes. Uh-huh. And, and there's as, no there's one even, would do that. There's even no one like, would
2: call themselves okay. The ubermensch. Okay.
1: Not in the distant future.
2: <laughs> That's not a good idea. It seems weird. It's like, hey, we're based on the the philo- this, the thing that this guy wrote like hundreds of years ago. We haven't advanced the idea at all. We have not it embellished it with any it. sort of new 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 philosophies. We have not recognized that it was dated. None of that. We're just like Nietzsche, yeah. <laughs>
1: there's even that one line in the first one where like I think I think they might I don't remember the context and maybe they were on the edge of a black hole or something like that and the Nietzschean guy on the bridge is like when you look into abyss the abyss looks back at you and it's like really
2: they were setting something up they were setting up the the abyss the abyss is an actual thing
1: you mean like the movie no I no, mean no, no. the abyss, I is, mean, an the inter- abyss
2: inter- is an actual thing yeah, in, in, Andromeda. Inter- inter- it's, like... it's a villain yeah, it's
0: the ultimate bad guy.
2: There's also a really funny part in the pilot where that one guy is like, is like, hey, you should probably put me in the brig. Why? Because, you know, I'm the same race as those guys. And you know what they always say? Judge people by what race they are. Yeah, that's a good point. I should do that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and he puts all of them in the brig. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we can talk about that. My, you know, my my thoughts on the show basically are like... I don't know. From a writing standpoint or whatever, I I can I can see how it could get good. I mean, from I didn't particularly like what I saw, but I could see it potentially going to a place which is interesting. Um, but again, I felt like it was killed by its budget. You know, I mean, it it feels like watching um, almost like a, a theatrical presentation. Like I mean, I mean like live theater. You know.
2: Yes, except I mean that, like, in a lot of ways, that's actually one of the the, the benefits of of science fiction on television. I mean, uh, uh, like Star Trek certainly suffered from some budgetary things, but I mean by embracing that sort of theatrical quality, I mean they're actually able to do a lot of like much more interesting things than they would otherwise if they were just strictly speaking to a sci-fi action series.
1: But but I mean, there's a, like the if this show would have had st- even Star Trek's budget, you know, I think that they would have it would have succeeded. Because, like, especially if you look at like the people involved in everything. I mean, like, even from the production end, like, again, you know, just like with Earth Final Conflict, Alan Craker. It, there's actually a lot of people from from Earth Final Conflict who worked on Andromeda uh, on the production end, but Alan Craker directed the pilot. And like, you're watching, and you're like, well, I've seen. A lot of stuff that this guy has done, you know, mainly on Star Trek, but also on Battlestar Galactica and some other stuff. And it's like, this dude knows what he's doing. You know, This is, he's not an amateurish filmmaker by any stretch of the imagination. I really think the problem is he doesn't have the money to do what he needs to do. And if they would okay. have, you know... Just sort of acknowledge the fact that you know you can't do all the stuff that you want to do, and maybe scaled back the show a little bit in order to put more money into things which aren't as expensive to do. Then I would have bought the show more. You know what I mean? I th-
2: I, I think that you're I think that you're you're being unreasonably harsh on something that like the show is actually really good about. I mean, compare. All right, seriously, seriously compare the 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 entire production like just the just the the production values of Andromeda with a contemporary science fiction show like Earth Final Conflict okay like the like the the, and the world of Andromeda has you know much better sets much better practical effects much better like cinematography i mean look at the look at the spaceships in in in, in that series like the the interiors are are gigantic and intricate there are tons of details all over the place. There's a whole bunch of, like, really, you know, different lighting schemes within just just the first few episodes of the show. You, you, you have to go, yeah, they were doing a lot of things all the time. And if you compare it to Earth Final Conflict, where they have rooms that straight up exist in the real world that you don't need to make, and they manage to have nothing in them aside from one person in some cheap makeup moving their hands in a weird way. <laughs>
0: well, I did have people in bad makeup moving their hands in a weird way
1: on this show too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yes, I but mean, they
0: were. You had, like... you had a bloke who looks like a dog.
1: Yeah, that does not work out too had Another bloke who long. looked like
0: a cheap man's Chewbacca. Uh huh. Uh huh.
2: Um, well, a dog. I thought of him. I thought. I thought of the guy with the hair as looking more like a sloth, and and the other guy as looking like uh, like like a bat. But like sculpted by a baby.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, attitude. like some of the CGI and stuff like that. I mean, like the very first thing that we see is like this, like big shot of you know Kevin Sorbo jumping down a thing and having the gravity thing. And it's that's like not,
2: that's not a problem of production. That's a problem of of writing something into a script that is a stupid idea. But and then when the director's like, I can't make that look good, the producer goes, well, we're going to keep it anyway.
1: I guess that's what I'm saying. That's kind of what it felt like. And it's like right, but that's not a budget thing. That's I, a stupid well, idea no, for, I a, mean, for a it, shot thing. Well, maybe, but I think that, you know, budget, you know, comes into play as well. I don't know. I, I they could have also been using that scene to show you how big
0: the ship was.
1: Yeah, I think you could find because a Because if you had just
0: stepped into a lift... And yeah. then stepped out of a lift. You wouldn't have had the concept of the of the ship's size.
1: I think I think they could have found a better way. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, they could have made the lift. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But regard- there
2: are a lot of different things you could do. You could have a guy say, "Hey, how big is this ship?" And he could say, "Oh, it's pretty big. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's pretty big." I mean, like you'd think, like like they yeah, You big can ships. do like
0: Picard and Lily in first contact. Twenty-four decks, almost seven hundred meters.
2: Yeah, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, like those are those are numbers. Like, I mean, like you could say twenty something decks. It's like, well, how big is a deck? How many? How, what is a meter? Yeah, I'm how American. big is a meter? <laughs> uh, you know, and like there are a lot of different things you could do. I mean, my feeling is that you know, if you wanted to sell it, a ship is big. I mean, like everything in space is big to us. I mean, you know, like a, like a like a like a bathroom is large for space because we can't get anything up there. But to so
0: put it into American terms, then it's roughly half a mile long. Okay. All right.
2: Yeah, but like if you say like If the captain of the ship says Oh yeah, I mean there are big ships This ship, even bigger than those
0: mm. Oh yeah, mine's bigger than yours mm-hmm. That's what Dylan was saying Especially when he's playing with his staff
1: um, Okay, so now Robert Hewitt Wolf uh, He um, I call him R.H. Dubs. Okay, he's he, RH dubs, he's done a, a number of other things, you know, but prior to this Deep Space 9 was his big uh show. He was Ira Steven Bear's writing partner for I think the first 5 seasons. Um he also wrote a uh, Fistful of Dat- Datas on uh, Next Generation. He worked on uh the the Twilight Zone show that that Bear did and he worked on the 4400 and now he's working on Alphas. Is he running Alphas? I think it might be right i don't know so other uh star trek people who worked on the show um well I, we already talked about alan craker um but there was also of course majel barrett as the executive producer she wasn't on this show which is so weird because it's like the first time that she's not on a show that gene roddenberry created
2: i call her emerald because i called gene Rod. Gene Rod
1: now, now Wolf He was on The show For like a year And a half And then There were some Creative differences Between him And the uh, The studio I guess
2: Well he had some he, he had some Creative ideas And they disapproved Of that
0: Because he wanted a stellar t- He wanted a story Arc Right yeah. And they wanted Episodic stories
1: Right And they wanted Every episode To be about Dylan Hunt The yeah. Kevin Sorbo Character And he wanted to cover (laughs) the entire... Commonwealth. Okay.
0: Yeah. He wanted to do do like a DS9, Babylon 5 type thing where you can have standalone episodes, but essentially everything feeds into everything else. Mm -hmm. And that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to tell a story arc. And they said, no, because... Lots of
2: of, of weird stuff happened over the course of the uh, executive side of the show.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So now it's also interesting that the the, the rest of the cast, uh, when they knew it was gonna get like knocked on the head, they tried to uh, petition the studio to do a spin off series without Kevin Sorbo.
1: So that wouldn't have been after the show, it would have like run at the same time? Well uh, it would have been
0: uh, when they closed it off uh, in the last episode when the, he destroyed the Abyss.
2: The Abyss. Yeah, he destroys yeah. the Abyss, that thing that we referenced earlier. hmm uh-huh. He destroys yeah. it.
1: And then they would he
0: would have gone off and carried on performing the Commonwealth, and then the rest of the crew would have gone off on their own adventures, and that would have been the spin-off.
1: So was this, like, at the end of Season 2? Season 5. Yeah. The, oh.
2: There's also some time travel involved. Okay. Oh, yeah. And, and and towards the end of the series, the characters start to explicitly make comments like, wait, does this count? Did that count? Did that thing we do earlier count? Mm. What have we what have what, what events have we nullified by performing these actions? Yeah. As if to say, Hey people watching the show, we know we've changed a bunch of things. Please do not hate us for doing so.
0: No. And it also goes all final conflict with everyone being half as species as everyone else.
2: I mean, but like it, at least at least on Andromeda, like there was an explanation for how it, it happened. Like, yeah. in the show, whereas on Earth, Final Conflict, it was like, you're actually a quarter alien. And on Andromeda, it was like, oh, my God, her face is burning off. All we've got are these medical devices made by these aliens. But if we make her we face, she'll be half alien. Who cares? Do it anyway.
1: Okay.
2: Sometimes you got to do that.
1: <laughs> so, a, a couple, couple of other things with the production... Um no- okay when when I first saw the like the commercials for this show or whatever, and I'm like, "Okay, so they're basically making Star Trek, but with Kevin Sorbo, I was like that seems like an incredibly bad idea. you know, I couldn't help but see Kevin Sorbo as Hercules, I couldn't help but see him cast in Hercules for any reason other than his you know." physical nature or what have you
2: and the show is named after another greek mythological character
1: but but when i was watching this i was like wow you know kevin sorbo he's not bad at all you know he doesn't feel like he's just put in there he does not feel like captain Hercules. he feels like just a guy, just an actor who they put in this, just like if they had put William Shatner in there or anything like that. So Except that was,
2: they they continually reference his um, impressive physical stature <laughs> and and amazingness. Okay, and an, and at least one instance they they make a joke about him being like a Greek god,
1: although Hercules was a demigod. That was in the pilot. Yeah, when I was sitting there watching yeah. that with well, they my did, life.
0: they did explain he's he's increased physical strength and his increased stature. That he's explained. Yes. Okay. Because because right. his mum uh who's genetically engineered to live on a high gravity environment.
2: And his dad was Zeus.
0: <laughs> yeah. So when you get Zeus mating with someone who's genetically engineered to live on a high you get a really tall guy with really big muscles who's really strong. Mm-hmm. And who's not human. Yeah. Because he wasn't human, because he was a paradigm.
2: But Oh uh, yeah uh, the paradigms. Oh that'll be fun, let's get to those.
1: <laughs> okay, okay. Well, first, just before you get to the paradigms, let, let me just say that, yeah, I, I did think that he was he was good in this show. Um, but there was one other thing which I, I found rather amusing is, you know, I, I always thought that the, the production value of the show when l- looking at commercials and stuff like that was sort of like uh, charm uh, m- more about like the lighting and everything, the way that the sets were lit and stuff like that. It was like charmingly low budget. You know, and, and uh, when I saw Jason X, I was like, this this movie is great. You know, I, I, I mean, I really love Jason X. And one of the things that I really liked about it was sort of the cheesy, charmingly low budget look of the sets and the lighting. And I always would compare it to, to basically Andromeda. I'd say like, this movie looks just like Andromeda. I love it. And then I'm watching Andromeda, and two of the people who were in Jason X are in Andromeda. One as a robot, and one as not. And from oh, that's spooky. And from Wait, what I no, read, not. from what I read, they, they, they flipped them. The one who was the robot in Andromeda is not a robot in uh, Jason X, and vice versa.
2: Okay, that's really offensive. They're androids. Okay, oh,
1: my bad. Anyway, now, you, what were you talking about? The, uh... The, the paradigms. The paradigms, yeah.
0: Yeah, which is which is Dylan Hunt's uh, true species. Because it's up until he's revealed, you he think he's human. And he's not. He's from a race called the Paradigm, who can quite literally step through space and time.
1: Now, is this... Literally t-
0: step
2: But, well, I mean, aren't we stepping through space and time anytime time we walk? I mean, we're in space, we're in time.
1: Now, now, was this done in, like, after season two? Yeah, season three. Okay. So this had nothing to do with
0: Robert Hewitt Wolf, theoretically. No. They they decided to expand his um, character by giving him a a special power. Because everyone else had one, so he needed one,
1: you know. So what was his special power, just walking through space and time?
2: He could hop around, and he could time travel and space travel without a ship, begging the question, why have a <laughs> ship on the show?
1: Well, the ship's his buddy, and I think he yeah. has a crush on the ship. On Rami. Which you can't really blame him for. No, you can't blame anyone for having a crush on Lexa.
2: Are you sure? I think I can do that. I can pull it yeah. off. Yeah.
0: Well, but you could probably blame someone, yeah. Yeah. But if you watch the outtakes and the, the blooper reel, then you might change your opinion in on what she does every time she gets something wrong.
2: Oh, should she take her top off?
0: (laughs) She hoists her boobs up.
2: Wow, I was not way off. (laughs) That's disturbing. There you go. It's not good when the thing that I say as a completely absurd thing is is pretty close to the actual thing. (laughs) Never a good situation where the sarcastic comment is the truth.
1: So, so let let me ask you guys: Did you notice a a a shift in quality after Robert Hewitt Wolf left?
0: Yes, from season season three to season five.
1: It's not that good. It it's um it's slightly
0: less on the production value, mm-hmm. and the writing is not as strong.
2: Well, I think like for me, it was it was that like the the show, which at that point had some sort of consistency, suddenly became insane. Yeah like it it really did like it, i i love it when a show actually sort of like follows the logic that one would imagine like oh the guy who's running the show is gone now no one's running it now it's just a runaway train it really was it was so it was so pleasant it was like oh my god that's awesome like i love it when it actually works out the way one would think
1: now i read somewhere on wikipedia or something like that that um uh after the show ended robert hewitt wolf wrote like a little one-act play or something oh like he's that? coda yeah he's yeah, he coda, coda where coda, like yeah. he basically you know he doesn't contradict what they had done but he explains yeah he yeah. wrote and published a one-act play entitled coda that explained his intended plans for the show without contradicting the already aired episodes
0: yeah
1: and it makes i need to make sense did you? Did you? Uh, oh, oh,
0: yeah, years ago, I remember reading it, and I mean, it's and you kind of when you're reading it, you are kind of thinking, "I wish you'd stayed." Yeah, it it's it's akin to uh, Manikoto when Manikoto came onto Enterprise,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you had a significant shift. In you imagine that the other way around.
1: And any uh, any other things that you guys want to cover in terms of Andromeda, before I ask my final question.
2: Um, I, I I don't hate this show like I, I you know when 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 we were watching this I was, I was like I was like yeah i 'll just keep going I'll just keep going and there were points where I was like, all right, I know what is happening in this episode let 's go to the next one because i don't want to keep watching this one. That happened a few times, but I mean that 's normal for any series that happens to me when i 'm watching next gen and i I love next gen so it's, it's i'm not i'm not making a general criticism of the series i i, I don 't hate this show. I don't even come close to hating this show. There are lots of problems, but I do not hold those problems against any individuals.
1: Well, people who know you know that when you say, I don't hate this show, that's high praise for a show. So,
2: Yeah. Cool. If I met somebody involved with the production of this show, I would not stab them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. Some a ring Yeah. Okay. Cool. I, I was... Uh, Not tremendously fond of this show, but I could see its potential. So take that as you will. Um, Now, here's the question I asked this last week, too. I'm going to ask it again. Do you think that Roddenberry would have created this show? Yes. Max? Max?
2: In a sense, no. Uh, he probably wouldn't have done the spaceship a- aspect of it, because, I mean, not because there's anything wrong with it, but, but I mean, like, it's sort of obvious that, like, it's a really good way of solving the inherent problem of, of, of dealing with all of these various factions, and uh, he probably wouldn't have done it just because it was too much like Star Trek.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I could see him doing this. I really could. I mean, maybe part of it is that he tried to do Genesis 2, like, 15 times, and this is essentially a version of Genesis 2, so he could finally do that. But, like, the space element to it I don't think is really that big of a stretch. You know, maybe it's a little too like Star Trek, but I think that he's okay with it. He he would be okay with it. I think that he would be much happier with this show than he would have been with Earth Final Conflict.
2: I yeah, sure, sure. I mean, I, I I imagine that if you said, "Hey, we got the show," he'd be like, "Oh, this is a cool show." Like, yeah, I like this: spaceships, aliens, people shooting at each other. And they would say, "Earth Final Conflict." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's based on the thing you wrote. He's like, "I did not write that. That is not a thing." <laughs> I, I mean, like, Andromeda. Like. <laughs> yeah, it, it, with Andromeda, it would be like, it'd be like, like it's just like it's like it's like Earth too. It's like it's like Genesis 2, It's just like that, except there's in space, like Star Trek. Like I would, I wouldn't do that. That would, that's like me ripping myself off. I mean, you can actually see evidence of that in in his various attempts at making that show in various forms. You know, the the thing about you know uh, Genesis two, and then um, you know, uh, oh
1: God, what was this, What was the second one? Planet Earth.
2: Planet Earth, yeah. And then and then um, Strange New World. Like the one thing that didn't happen was that they were like, hey, let's put it in space. And I think that the reason you don't put it on a spaceship is because, I mean, we might see it as obvious, but I think that's because we're, we're sort of, you know, accustomed to the idea that putting things on a spaceship is not necessarily like Star Trek. Star Trek is just another show that's on a spaceship. But if, from that perspective, from Roddenberry's perspective, putting a thing on a spaceship is like, is like 50, halfway there to making it Star Trek.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: So I don't think he would have put it in in space. I mean that that's, I I imagine he would never have done that. He would have like you know tried to make it a thousand more times, and maybe at some point would have said, maybe we should put it in space. Nope. Nope. No, no.
1: No, I think mind. no, I I disagree with that. I think that that like you know if he was really as fond of Genesis Two as he seems to have been, seeing as how many times he tried to get it on the air, I think that if someone would have said, you want to do this show okay, we'll do the show, but we're going to put it in space, he probably would have said, okay. Well, that's about all the time that we have for today. Um, Colin, where can people find you?
0: Uh, You can find Trek News and Views on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and on Trek FM Network. And you can find me on Twitter at colmh01.
1: All right. And as always, you can find us at our other show, Commentary Track Stars, at CommentaryTrackStars.com. You can also find us on Twitter at ComTrackStars and on the email at ComTrackStars at gmail.com. So uh, give us some feedback. Let us know what you think. And we will be back next week with a wrap-up of our Gene Roddenberry series where we take a look at uh, his work on the whole and and try to draw some conclusions of some sort.
2: We're going to draw some conclusions on a napkin and then lose that napkin. <laughs> and then make a fortune in 20 years' time. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It'll be called
1: Roddenberry Colon Conclusions.
0: <laughs> yeah, got to stick with the colon.
1: There you go. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Colin. And uh thanks for Yeah, we will talk to you again soon.